All right, here we are for an unplanned, unprompted edition of Designated for Simon on Josh Wolberg. Yeah, usually, you know, I, this isn't my full-time job. Uh, it's just something that I like to do, and it seems like people enjoy it. So I, I'm excited to continue doing a Jay's podcast. But generally speaking, uh, it's once a week. You know, I guess if there are certain times where something happens, breaking news, something big, uh, then obviously I'll do my best to do a podcast and for the second time in about three weeks uh the jays playing like complete dog shit has necessitated me to do a podcast uh in the middle of the week which maybe takes a little bit of the shine away from sundays but i don't really care because uh, i wasn't gonna wait another couple of days to uh get my thoughts uh, off my chest because uh, it's awful right now to watch this team play baseball. Like they stink right now. Maybe they're, you know, not there. I, I don't, I think it's probably fair getting closer to being fair at this point to say that they're not as good as everyone expected that they were going to be, you know, they could still certainly figure it out, but there's a lot that is staring us in the face right now. That is not good. Um, uh, about this blue Jays team. They are two and 13 in their last 15 games. Uh, against teams within the division. Uh, they got all they didn't get swept. They lost three out of the four to the Rays. They scored 20 runs in one of those games. They outscored the Rays 30 to 20 because of the 20 runs uh, and still lost three out of four because they didn't do much um, outside of that. And, you know, the thing that I'm going to begin with that I have to start with is in the final game of the series uh, on Thursday afternoon with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth inning, um, you know, we'll get to the team meeting and all the other bullshit that has uh, kind of bubbled up here with the way that this team is playing. But, you know, with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth inning, you know, you had uh, a left-handed reliever on the mound in uh, Colin Poche. Uh, Bo Bichette had just walked uh, with the bases loaded, made it six to two. So Dalton Varsho was up um, representing the uh, the tying run with one out. And I understand Dalton Varsho's career numbers against left-handed pitching um, are mediocre at best. I would say probably more so bad, and they haven't been great this year. And I understand that Whit Merrifield and George Springer had already been used as pinch hitters, and, you know, you didn't have much left on, on the bench. But, you know, the decision to go to Ernie Clement in that situation over Dalton Varsho is – as befuddling of a decision as I can ever think of. Like, even if you want to try and argue the righty versus lefty instead of going left on left, Ernie Clement can't hit. Ernie Clement has never been able to hit in his career. You look at his numbers, they're bad. Like, it doesn't matter whether he's been facing left-handed pitching or right-handed pitching, he can't hit. Like, he is a lifetime 206 hitter. He has a 526 OPS. He can't hit. He's not, a to me, a, really a major league player. He has, you know, not a ton of experience, 111 games. Uh, he played 63 for Cleveland last year. He had 200. He can't hit. I understand Dalton Varsho has not been good in any way, shape, or form. Uh, really all season, but certainly um, of late. But to pull him out for Ernie Clement, it just... Eh. Like, what are you, why did you trade for Dalton Varsho if you're going to be benching him with the bases loaded, even against the lefty in the ninth inning in a game that you really 
could have used a win to try and split a series, stop the bleeding. You know, you're leaking oil left, right, and center. And it's not as though, like, if you had said, oh, yeah, Whit Merrifield, okay, I'm I'm fine with that. It's still not great that you traded for Dalton Varsho and you gave up a legitimate haul and you have no confidence in his ability to hit left-handed pitching and you're basically just kind of accepting the fact that he's a platoon player. They weren't making that trade. I'm telling you that. They didn't make that deal with the idea that Dalton Varsho was a platoon player and he was only going to, and he hasn't really even hit against righties, but it's just, I, I it just brings up so many questions to me um, about, you know, like what is the standing of Dalton Varsho? Like how do you view Dalton Varsho within the scope of this ball club? If he's getting taken off the field, taken out of the batter's box um, in, fla- in favor of Ernie Clement, it's just, I have no words for it. I was completely just flabbergasted by it. And like John Schneider has had a lot of moments this season that have left a lot of people scratching their head. Um, You know, George Springer having a full off day the day after DHing. I understand, you know, it's all part of a plan to keep him as healthy as possible. He's been performing much better of late. So that's obviously good. But it also led to you having Nathan Lucas and Ernie Clement in the lineup against Shane McClanahan. And are you basically just saying, oh, well, you know, we're punting. Uh, if you're giving Springer an off day anyways today, why not have him out there uh, yesterday? So you didn't ha- necessarily have to have um, you know, one of Lucas or Clement in the lineup against a hitter like McClanahan. Like you want as many good bats in the lineup against a great pitcher and, you know, Springer not in there and then having a complete off day in theory, even though he pinch hit um, the next day made no sense to me. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, they should fire the manager right now. You know, they're 26 and 25, they're 10 and a half games um out of first place like things are bleak right now uh it's not early anymore in the season I understand there's 111 games left or whatever but through 51 games this is a mediocre team at best and you could argue a a below average team because against teams that are worth anything they have been routinely beaten you know like I think they're six and 15 in the division like you can kiss the division goodbye with that level of futility. Like you go two and 13 uh, against teams within your division. You're not winning the division. Like, I think we can sit here barring something miraculous and say um, they're not winning the division. And that's not a really a good thing to be admitting on May the 25th in a season with a lot of expectation. And, you know, it was going to be different and all this, you know, bullshit about how they were going to be paying more attention to fundamentals and playing better defense. What I saw in the first inning of the final game on Thursday, you know, Kirk can't get to a ball in the dirt fast enough, allows Brandon uh, Lau to reach. Biggio can't handle, it was a hard hit ball, but that, that's a tailor-made double play. A clutch allows a runner to reach, you know, two-run score. They just are not playing fundamentally sound baseball right now. And conversely, like the Rays make all the plays um, and they don't allow a loss like Tuesdays where they give up 20 runs to fester whatsoever. They come back and they get two wins. And conversely, the blue Jays, no momentum whatsoever from scoring 20 runs. It was just like, ah, oh, well, it was a nice one night. Let's go back into the, into the toilet uh, for the final two games of the series and, and play like dog shit again and, and lose and, you know, go into Minnesota leaking major oil. And okay. So you know, John Schneider, they, the blue Jays called a players only meeting after 
they lost that final game against the Rays. And that's fine. Uh, I have no problem with that. You know, it is ultimately on the players to play better. You know, the manager can only do so much. It's on those guys uh, in that clubhouse to, you know, Matt Chapman basically just said it's up to us to play better. And he's absolutely right. But he also let it, I don't know if he let it slip, but he basically, the media found out that, uh, that uh, they had closed, a, uh, had a closed door meeting and John Schneider admitted that they had one. And then Chapman was like, oh, well, I don't know how you guys even found out. And I'm not necessarily saying that he even knew that it might have been Schneider, but the optics aren't amazing there that, uh, you know, Schneider saying one thing and Chapman's just kind of trying to diffuse it as much as possible. But like, let's say you do fire the manager, like, and you turn it over to Don Mattingly. Okay. So you're firing a second manager in... 10 months because Montoya got fired last July. Like, let's say you were to do that ASAP as a lot of people want. Okay. What does that do? How many times can you fire a manager before you look in the mirror and say, well, perhaps they're not, you know, this, this group is not as good uh, as, as we thought that they were going to be uh, like, you can only, it's all window dressing, like until the player's, um, that you have here uh, when you assembled this roster, start playing better. Like no, you know, Sparky Anderson couldn't manage this ball club um, the way that they're playing right now and uh, and expect a ton of results. Like, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that is left to be desired um, when you're talking about managerial wise, but I don't know, like... <laughs> that's a band-aid for a bullet hole if you're playing the way that you're playing. So you want to fire him? Sure. Like go ahead. But I don't know if that's going to make a difference. Like how many motivational tactics can you possibly do before the guys in that clubhouse just have to acknowledge the fact that maybe it's, we're the reason that managers are getting fired. Like there's, we're playing badly enough to necessitate um, drastic course action. Like, you know, you could look at Ross Atkins and say, you know, there were some some not so great uh, bets and moves like I'm not sitting here and saying that the Dalton Varsho trade is unequivocally a loss right now. But I understand you traded from a surplus um, with your catching situation. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. tearing the cover off the ball, hitting a ton of home runs. But like if he is a platoon type of player, that just doesn't seem like, yeah, OK, he's great. He's running the bases. He plays good defense. That's huge but he's not hitting righties and then you're you're benching him against lefties in big spots for Ernie Clement it's not a great look so it's not off to a great start um right now uh with Dalton Varsho and the Blue Jays aren't going to be able to really accomplish much uh if he's the type of player that um you know you can't rely on in any sort of big situation if the if the actual circumstances uh aren't quite aligned so yeah that's just one thing um right now that is not great uh Alec Manoa was I would say terrible um again maybe it was just no Danny Jansen and back to Kirk and you know the Blue Jays with the run game like the Rays are a very savvy team and they basically just figured out you know we're gonna time up Manoa's delivery and run hog wild on him and they did they stole seven bases on the Blue Jays in that game on seven attempts, you know, Kirk wasn't close a bunch of times. 
some of that, you know, they had incredible jumps. Like the bases were probably already stolen anyways, but some not so great throws. He nosedived the throw to third that allowed to run to a uh, run to score. Like he's really struggling right now. Um, he had a couple of hits, but he's not hitting the ball with much in the way of authority. Like there's no power to speak of. He's pounding the ball on the ground. And if Danny Jansen, we'll see what happens with that hamstring issue. You know, like uh, Kirk's going to have to figure it out. Tyler Heineman will get some starts, you assume, if Jansen ends up having a, I don't know, go on the IL or or something um, of that sort. But it's a tough spot to be in when um, you have Kirk not performing. And like as far as Manoa goes, it was somewhat encouraging against the Orioles. There were still a lot of misses arm side, um, I thought, but there was enough there that you had to feel at least somewhat encouraged. But he regressed big time and he still works slowly, even with the pitch clock. I think part of it is he always has runners on base so he can take more time, but it just has not been fluid or um, sound in any way, shape or form. And maybe it is the pitch clock. I don't exactly know, but I don't know what you do at this point. Like he, by a lot of statistics and a lot of metrics is the worst starting pitcher in baseball right now. Um, He has... I think the worst walk rate, I think he works walks the most hitters per nine innings in um, Major League Baseball's ERA is right near the bottom. He's not pitching deep into ball games. I don't know what you do. Like, do you send him down? Okay, if you do, you're bringing up. I guess you could say, well, there's no way any number of the Blue Jays depth guys, if you want to call them that, um, could be worse than Alec Manoa. But there's no easy solutions um, to that situation. At least, you know, Jose Barrios has has pitched well of late. I think he has a 2.88 ERA over his last handful of starts since he got off to the rocky beginning of the year in his first two outings. That's helped covered it. But until Manoa figures it out, you know, they're going to be in a really um, difficult position. And like there's just right now a lot of question marks Um up and down uh, this roster, like uh, outside of Brandon Belt, who is hitting really well in the month of uh, May, had another multi-hit game uh, on Thursday. Springer's figured it out a little bit. There's just not a lot that's going well right now. It's just um, you look up and down this roster, like Kevin Biggio hit a home run uh, off of Jason Adam, but it's still bad. Um it, you know, Whit Merrifield's been good, I guess. Chapman is hitting under 300. He's gone into the freezer. Vladdy has, um, I think, three home runs in the month of May, and one of them was off of Luke Ray- Rayleigh in that game. Like his numbers on the season are still good, but you would like it to be closer to trans transcendent uh, or cl- yeah, transcendent's a, a lofty, but an 855 OPS is is very good, but you'd like it to be closer to a thousand, to be honest, like he's leaving something to be desired. And, you know, he had a chance as the tying run with two outs in the ninth inning of that game on Thursday and swung at the first pitch and got jammed and rolled over a ball. And that was it. And like, I think right now there's just like a a trickle down situation where everyone is pressing, trying to get things um, on the right track. And, it's just not working. Like guys are probably taking themselves out of their comfort zone a little bit and it's leading to some not so good results and it's just become infectious in a bad way. And, you know, I think they've scored five runs or less 14 times in their last 16 games. You know, this is, 
to me, still a team that should be um, sort of identified as a run scoring, maybe not juggernaut, but a really good offensive team. And they haven't been that like they're about average in a lot of categories. And certainly in May, they've been well below average. And until they can string together some more um, sustained offensive production, I think we're going to see these issues where, you know, like they're losing a bunch of games where they have more hits than they do. Uh, than their opponents do. Like they had eight hits in the final game of the Rays series. The Rays only had five. Rays were just more opportunistic, took advantage of mistakes, took advantage of walks and cashed in uh, base runners when they had them. Whereas, you know, we've seen the Jays a number of times do quite the opposite. Like they've hit into so many double plays. Uh, they hit into two in on Thursday. I think Kiermaier hit into both. They've hit into like 15 or 16 over the last couple of weeks, uh, which leads baseball. Like it's just right now, there's not a lot to feel super um, optimistic uh, about. Like there's a couple of things, but for the most part, you know, like they're heading to Minnesota who are a very mediocre team right now, but have enough talent uh, and certainly can pitch and have a good, maybe not a good bullpen, but they have some good bullpen pieces and they have some, some talented offensive players who uh, can take advantage of mistakes. So it's not like, Oh, well, you know, you're heading to some doormat that, you can maybe get things on track. Like, no, the Jays are going to have to play a whole lot better um, against a team like the Twins, or they're at risk of seeing things, you know, continue to um, unravel uh, on them a, a little bit. Okay, so don't want to, you know, kind of bemoan the point here for too long, um, but I did want to get in some tweets. I, I basically just asked people to vent and you know, say what they were frustrated about and talk about all this uh, nonsense that's been going on with the Blue Jays uh, over the last little while. And uh, pr predictably, you know, these are always easier shows to do uh, when the team's not playing great. Like that was always the old adage in sports radio when the team's underperforming, underachieving is disappointing, um, then that's usually when it's more entertaining and more exciting and more fun, which is kind of morbid and sad, but that's sort of the, the reality of the situation. Okay. Let's, let's rapid fire. Some of these, uh, Steve tweets in, we traded Gurriel and Moreno for a guy who gets pinch hit for by Ernie Clement. Yes. <laughs> I made that point, uh, already. I still don't understand that situation whatsoever. Honestly, like it's just, uh, a resounding non-vote of confidence in Dalton Varsho's ability to do anything against left-handed pitching. It's not like Colin Poche is this overpowering lefty. He's like more of a finesse guy with a low mid-90s fastball off-speed stuff. I understand Varsho and lefties. It is what it is. But for Ernie Clement, I just... Dalton Varsho's a way better candidate to run into one even if you don't have a lot of confidence in his ability to, to put forth a great at bat against the lefty, you know, a mistake is made. I trust Dalton Varsho to run into that mistake and hit a home run. than I do uh, Ernie Clement, even if he's uh, a right-handed bat uh, rainy 79, the Jays have a lot of issues right now, but I think if Manoa pitches the whole season, like the worst qualified starter in baseball, that more than anything will sink their season, given how great he was last two years. It's just baffling how terrible he's been. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good point. You know, like they, you were expecting maybe some regression. Like we talked early in the season, I was like, oh yeah, maybe he'll be a, a run worse on his ERA, like be three and a half, which would still be very solid. And now he's one in five on the season with 
a 5.53 ERA. He walked five and three innings. Um, you look at, he's got 46 strikeouts and 53 and two thirds, a 1.79 whip, which is just 38 walks and 53 and two thirds. He walked 51 last year and 196 and two thirds. So he's walked 13 less over 143 less innings. It's just mind boggling how bad um, his command has quickly become. And like, I don't know if it's the pitch clock or this or that, but if that doesn't get figured out, um soon in some way shape or form then yeah the, the blue jays are in uh, a really bad spot a uh, greg tweets in team doesn't want to make any changes when they're struggling uh would bgo be in, in mlb if he didn't have that last name make some hard decisions and send down struggling players you can't be trying to figure out problems in the show i i do agree with that like spencer horowitz i think is somebody that would make some sense but the issue is it's just like well where's spencer horowitz playing with belt playing the way that he's playing like there's just not a ton of quality depth that you would look at. Like Addison Barger has been hurt and was struggling that you would look at and say, Oh, well, these guys are are that much better. And does it risk stunting their development? But at the end of the day, I don't really care about that because the priority this season is winning with the major league club. And, you know, if a guy can come up with some, for some scraps at the end of the bench and play the odd time and be more productive than Kevin Biggio, then by all means, uh, bring that player up um, and and bring in an infusion of talent more than Kevin Biggio right now because it's just, um, he's not really providing you with much. Obviously, we've talked about the bat. It's not there. Doesn't make a, a routine, relatively routine play, even though, like I said, it was a hard hit ball. It's still a play that a big league second baseman has got to make uh, in that situation to get you out of a jam situation and... Um, you know, keep the game tied. He didn't make the play. And then obviously that was it uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, there's a lot. What do you think of making these last two lineups from Nate that Schneider's put out? Do you think he gave up on this series? I, I don't know if I would say gave up, but the lineups were not um, particularly encouraging. I talked about it, you know, with the Springer situation and then having Clement and Lucas in the lineup against Shane McClanahan, um, especially with Springer off. We talked about that Um I didn't love those decisions. It, it wasn't a great series in a lot of respects uh, for John Schneider. Brad tweets in, I think Shapiro picked the wrong time to send us letters telling us our ticket prices were going up tenfold. I didn't know that. Like if you're a season ticket holder, uh, tweet me at Goldberg 12 I don't know. Like what's the increase? It's definitely suspect timing. I would say like if the team is playing this poorly and you're talking about ticket prices increasing, yeah, it is a reality. If you want to field uh, a high payroll, then it's going to be reflected in ticket prices and you know merchandise and concessions and and what have you. But the team has to pull their weight. Like you're not going to spend top dollar if you're talking about a 500 team. And you know, like the the games that I've been to this season have been very crowded. You know, during the week. Like there's a big opportunity for this ball club to have a really exciting summer in full of packed in front of uh, packed house after packed house, but that's not going to necessarily be the case if they're underperforming um, to this extent. So I, you know, the timing of that certainly is uh, is a, a bit questionable. Uh, Dave says I miss Tay Oscar and Lourdes. Yeah, I think probably a lot of people do. 
Uh, like I said on Sunday, this doesn't seem like a team that has a lot of identity right now. Right now, their identity is that they lose lots of games. Um, and, you know, they find more ways to lose than they find ways to win, which is not exactly the identity you want to have. They had an identity in the past. It was bludgeon you, sledgehammer you with power and, you know, play a happy-go-lucky style. You know, it it required a change. The question we have now is, were the changes that were made the right ones? The early returns would say no. Um, but, you know, like they could figure it out. But I'm I'm certainly more pessimistic uh, about it than, uh, than I was. No question. Like, uh, I, I'm generally pretty level-headed about this stuff. Like, I'm not somebody who's just going to be foaming at the mouth to say, oh, well, this guy's got to go. You got to fire X, Y, and, and Z and, and make all these changes and, and stuff like that. But it's becoming increasingly more difficult to look at this team um, objectively and say that it's not really disappointing and has really disappointing potential. You know, hopefully they figure it out here um, in the not too distant future, but so far um, it's been bad. Uh, it's been bad. Uh, uh, Mr. Reiki tweets in, why is there no pitching depth in the minors? And it's a good question. You know, this front office has not done a, a particularly good job developing starting pitchers. You know, like they traded some, they traded Gunnar Hoagland, who was, you know, a, a young prospect who hadn't really had much ex professional experience and they got Matt Chapman. That was a great deal. You know, like they traded Simeon Woods Richardson for Jose Barrios, obviously Austin Martin as well, but like, there's just not a lot right now. I guess Ricky Tiedemann is a great hope, but he's hurt. I think he'll be good. Like Zulueta, I don't think is a starting pitcher. I think his, his future is probably um, in the bullpen. And I think he could end up being a, a good bullpen arm down the road, but like you look up and down, there's not much here. Like maybe um, hopefully one day, Brandon Barriera comes up and is good, but he's a long way away. Like CJ Van, Van Eck, Irv Carter, guys like that. Like just maybe it works out, but there's just not a lot close to the major league level that is making you really say to yourself, oh, well, you know, we could move somebody into the rotation for a struggling Alec Manoa, or we could bump out Kikuchi for this pitcher. They just don't really have it. And the fact that they haven't really done a ton in terms of internal development has led them uh, down the free agent path. Like they've had to spend a ton of money over the past couple of years with uh, Kevin Gosman, great contract. Chris Bassett looking like a great contract. Kikuchi, um, not looking like a great contract. He's fallen back uh, on some hard times using prospects to trade for Barrios. Like 80% of their rotation is exports in terms of trade or free agent. And Alec Manoa is the one who was looking like a huge success story. I still think he is because he was a Cy Young finalist in his first full season. But like you need more than one and a half good seasons for that to really be considered, um, you know, like a long term type of situation. He's got to get it back, but he's really been the only success. Like Nate Pearson was a first round pick in 2017. That ship has sailed on him being a starting pitcher. He, I think, is number three now in the bullpen pecking order behind uh, Romano and Swanson. Like he's there in leverage. He's surpassed. Uh, Jimmy Garcia, who somebody wants to see DFA, they're not DFAing Jimmy Garcia. If they do that, uh, a team's going to pick him up. Like, I think his raw stuff is still there. He has not been good. Uh, he's 
struggled big time batting average on balls in play, like his home run to fly ball rate. Like there's some stuff that says he's probably gotten a little bit unlucky, but that's just poor asset management. So, you know, like I'm not getting rid of Jimmy Garcia for nothing, but there are holes on this roster certainly that uh, are going to need to be addressed in, in one form or fashion um, going forward because uh, you know, like this is an important season and there's no time that should be wasted and no stone that should be left unturned to figure out um, the best way to put this team in the best possible position uh, to win beyond just these guys playing better. Like Matt Chapman said, it's on them, but uh, you know, I think some tough decisions are going to have to be made here over the next little while um, to put really to maximize this roster's potential and uh, have them in the best possible position to make an honest run at making the playoffs because that is far from a guarantee uh, with this division, with the hole they've dug for themselves. Uh, there's some soul searching. I would think that's going to be going on uh, on that flight from Tampa to uh, Minneapolis for a three game series uh, against the twins. Uh, as always appreciate all of the interna- interaction and uh, feedback at DFA underscore pod at Jay Goldberg 12. We'll be back Sunday, hopefully uh, after a better performance against the twins. Thanks again. Rate, review, subscribe, like, comment, uh, designated for assignment where you can uh, find it on all of your available podcast platforms. I'm Josh Goldberg. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you on Sunday on the next episode of Designated for Assignment.